The first mark of a committed Christian we see in this passage is integrity in relationships. Verse 20, Paul challenges the lack of integrity of the false teachers. He says, in fact, you put up with it if somebody enslaves you, if somebody exploits you, if somebody takes advantage of you, if somebody is arrogant toward you, if somebody slaps you in the face. I say this to our shame. We've been too weak for that, he says sarcastically. Paul says, before you follow somebody, you ought to check their integrity. These people enslave you. See, they were teaching that you have to obey the Old Testament law legalistically, the sacrificial law, if you're going to be saved. Paul says, no, 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 you're saved by grace. Don't be enslaved again by that old sacrificial system or thinking that you're somehow saved by your obedience. False teachers, bad leaders, always enslave. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 17. Read 2 Peter chapter 2 every once in a while if you just kind of want to be sobered up a bit. In verse 17, Peter writes, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you're a slave to whatever controls you. A slave is controlled by his master, and when people sin, they become slaves of sin. The world promises freedom. Live for yourself. Follow your own rules. And they get stuck in loneliness and guilt and purposelessness. We talk about people being destroyed by debt, hooked on drugs, addicted to alcohol, entangled in lies, ruined by a fatal attraction. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everybody who commits sin is a slave to sin, but he's come that you might have life, that you might be free. Galatians 6, verse 7, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that will he also reap, because the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction. The one who sows to sin will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. The reason Christians care about moral integrity, the reason we See, the, the, the deal is there's always a distance between the sowing and the reaping. The world will tell you, go ahead and give in to that thing that Bob calls sin. Not a big deal. Follow your feelings. And they don't tell you there's a reaping. The reason we call out sin is not because we want to be judgmental or moralistic. It's because we hate to see people reap the consequences, the slavery of sin. Paul says they enslave you, they exploit you, literally they consume you. False teachers, false leaders will use you. We see this certainly with false teachers. Do you remember back several years ago there was a televangelist who said if people hadn't, if people would not donate eight million dollars within like a three-month period that God was going to kill him. God was going to take his life. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that. But so there's a great line somebody had about that. They said, usually in the old, the old way of robbing somebody was you'd say to somebody, hey, it's your money or your life. This kind of a new twist on thing. This guy was like, your money or my life kind of thing. And so people gave to his ministry because 
but he was using them. And so often people will manipulate those who are looking for something purposeful and spiritual in their life. And so they'll see an advertisement on television like, give to this to help the starving kids. Give to this to help, you know. And it's like, oh, and, and so much of the money is just going to big salaries and infrastructure, not to caring. People use you. Ask yourself the next time, am I being used by Hollywood? Am I being used by advertisers? Am I being used by porn? Am I being used by politicians? Are they exploiting me for their own advantage? That's the next thing Paul says. They take advantage of you. The idea is they, the, uh, it's a fishing term. They know how to hook you in. They're arrogant. He said they slap you in the face. First century historians tell us that leaders back then would, quote, make free use of fists and staves. They literally would hit people to shame them into compliance. False teachers continue to shame people into compliance today. They shame by controlling language. They can control language. They can control thinking. Don't use those words. If you talk like that, then you'll be a, you're a hater. You're phobic. Don't talk about biblical morality. You don't want to be called a religious radical. Don't call sin, sin. Don't talk about Christ. Don't mention the Bible. Don't impose your religion on me. They slap people in the face, and people comply. Christians even will go, well, I don't want to talk like that because I don't want to be... And I don't want you know, people not to come to church because I've, I've been clear about Jesus. By contrast, Paul leads with integrity. He says tongue-in-cheek, I say this to our shame. We've been too weak for that. You know, I, I was so weak. I was honest with you. I was gentle with you. I didn't exploit you or take advantage of you or exalt myself. Man, I, I should, have, should have led like those false teachers, he says sarcastically. One of the primary marks of a committed Christian is integrity in relationships. But you know if you have integrity, you're going to stand out. We kind of expect people not to have integrity today, don't we? We're kind of not surprised when the politician spins when the athlete juices, when the employee fudges the report, when students cheat, when somebody breaks the rules. You know, in sports, in baseball, we have an old adage, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> um, it's kind of we expect it, don't we? It reminds me of the story of the young man who was applying for the special insurance. Did you hear this story? Goes to the insurance guy. The insurance guy starts to fill out the forms, asks him questions. How old was your mother? She, how old is your mother? She's dead, he says. How old was she when she died? 41. How'd she die? Cancer. How old's your dad? He's dead too. How old was he when he died? 34. How'd he die? Heart attack. The insurance guy just puts away the application. He says, you're a horrible risk. There's no way you're going to be able to get this insurance, but your heredity is just too bad. So he goes to another agent. Agent asks him the same questions. How old's your father? He's dead. How old was he when he died? 94. What did he die of? Rescuing a child from a burning building. How old's your mother? She's dead. How old was she died? She was 91. What'd she die of? Childbirth. <laughs> you kind of get the feeling, though, sometimes that everybody, in, you got to bend the integrity a little bit or else you're not going to be able to get ahead. But Christians are called to be different, aren't we? Philippians chapter 2, verse 
15 is just one of the places. It says, we're called to be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. See, the temptation is I live in a perverted and <laughs> crooked generation. As long as I'm not as bad as they are, it must be okay. So, no, no, blameless and pure. Among whom you shine like stars in the world, holding firm to the word of life, the word of truth, the word of God. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. City set on the hill cannot be hidden. You go shine in a dark place. You be different. You be distinct. Integrity means you do the right thing. You stand when others bend. You make promises, you keep promises. You're consistent like Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Integrity means if you take out a loan, you pay it off. If you make a vow to pay a loan, you do. Psalm 15 asks the question, who can be close to God? And one of the answers in verse 4 is, the one who keeps his word, whatever the cost. Christians ought to have the best credit rating in the world because we keep our promises. And if somebody tells you you shouldn't keep your promises, they don't care about your integrity. If you accept responsibility in the neighborhood or in the church, you don't bail just because it's difficult. Integrity means you seek first the kingdom of God with your finances, even though you'd rather have a newer car or a nicer vacation.